The sermon this afternoon deals with what we confess in Lord's Day 9, and I will connect that also to what we read in Psalm 33. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, in Lord's Day 9, we begin in the Catechism to explain the articles of our Catholic and undoubted Christian faith, also called the Apostles' Creed, that leads all the way to Article 22 that you had last week. So from Lord's Day 9 to Lord's Day 22, we, we explain the articles of our faith, you can also say that we are unpacking the treasures of what God has given us. It begins with the God who has life in himself, that's the article that we're looking at uh, this afternoon, and it ends with him giving us eternal life, that was article 22, and that's that's a great treasure. What we confess in the Apostles' Creed is something to be very uh, highly valued and held on to. And the Church has also done so by the grace of God through the centuries. But before we go into Lord's Day 9, I just want to trace the line that leads to this. Why is it that we explain these articles? And then you have to go back to Lord's Day 5, where we begin the part of our deliverance, and we ask the question, how can we escape the temporal and the eternal punishment that we deserve? That's the conclusion of the first part of the Catechism, we deserve it. How can we escape it? And then the answer was that we need to believe in the only mediator, Jesus Christ. And so Lord's Day 7 also asked the question, how are you saved? It is by being grafted into Jesus Christ by true faith and accepting all his benefits. And then we asked the question, what is true faith? And we said, well, it is to know what he has revealed and then also to apply that to yourself. It's not only for others, it is also for me. I am the recipient of these promises and God gives them to me in his grace. And that is what the Spirit works in our hearts. And now we ask the question, following that, and that leads to the Apostles' Creed, what then must we believe? If it is by faith that we are saved and righteous before God, what is it that we must believe? And then the answer is, All that is promised us in the gospel. All that is promised us in the gospel. And then it says, well, that's summarized in the creed. So the creed is a summary of the promises of the gospel. What's a promise? A promise is God saying to you, this is who I am for you. This is what I give to you because I am God. And to believe that then means to say, yes, it is true. This is who he is. 
and to say it is not only for others, it's also for me. And that leads into the Apostles' Creed and each article. Now, I mention this because what we want to do this afternoon is also have those two elements there. What is it that he says about himself? And how does that apply to me? And can I indeed also make that my own? And that's what the Catechism wants to help us with and lead us with. So that's why the question also is here, what do you believe when you say, and so on. So we want to have those two elements. What is he saying about himself, in his word, and also how does it then apply to me? So the theme for the sermon is, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And the first thing we want to do now is go to Lord's Day 9, Read it, then we'll go to Psalm 33, and then we'll see how that applies to us in particular. So let's start with Lord's Day 9 now, and go there. I'll read the question and answer on page 525. So what do you believe when you say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth? And the answer is that the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who out of nothing created heaven and earth and all that is in them, and who still upholds and governs them by his eternal counsel and providence, is, for the sake of Christ his Son, my God and my Father. In him I trust so completely as to have no doubt that he will provide me with all things necessary for body and soul, and will also turn to my good whatever adversity he sends me in this life of sorrow. He is able to do so as Almighty God, and willing also as a faithful Father. That's what you confess. And, and I want to highlight three elements. There are many more elements in here, but I just want to highlight three elements in this answer to consider. As you believe this, as you make this part of your life, the first one is the fact, the confession, that God is the Almighty Father. And the Catechism makes a point of highlighting the perfections of our God. He is from eternity. He is perfect in wisdom and in power. So that's where we start. Understanding, confessing how great our God is. And if you talk about the promises that have been given to you, that's where you start. Who he is. Well, how great is he? It says he created everything. Whatever you see around, he spoke, and it was. And not only did he create it, he upholds it. And he upholds it by an eternal counsel and providence. That's how powerful he is. Nothing happens by chance. He directs Everything from the big things to the smallest details. Not a hair can fall from our heads without his will. He upholds it. As the 
Almighty Father. So there's the first thing that we need to consider. The Father to whom we belong is an Almighty Father. The second element that I'd like to highlight is that the answer is personal. We are not speaking about some distant power, an unknown power. We're speaking about a father. And a father is someone who's close to you, means a lot to you. So also he, it says, is my God and my father. And what you need to do is put your own name there. You're not talking about others. You're talking about yourself. This almighty God is my God. My Father. Remember faith? What is faith? Accepting the word and also the confidence it not only applies to others but also to me. Well, that's what the Catechism does here. He's my God. He's my Father. It's a bond. The third element I'd like to highlight is that as a result, we can completely rely on him. It says, I trust in him so completely as to have no doubt. It's almost double. So don't even question it. He will provide all the things that I need for body and soul. Now, the Catechism does not deny that there are difficulties in this life. There is adversity. There's even a life of sorrow. There is death. But also that, he will use for my good. Because he's my father. So, he's almighty. It's very personal. And therefore, I can give myself completely over to him. I can trust him. And that is what you are saying when you say, I believe this. And then the Catechism sums it up in this wonderful sentence in the end that he's able to do it because he's almighty. He's also willing because he's a faithful father. Is this what you believe? Yes, you have it in the Catechism. And you've memorized it. Is it what you believe? That you live from it? in it, for this Father, in good times, in difficult, in health, and in sickness. Now, this is not a conclusion you come to at the end of your life. When you look back over your life, you say, I come to the conclusion that yet this God is almighty, and I can trust him. This is a confession that already starts at the beginning of your life. You're not even aware of it. And you were baptized. And, and that is true throughout my life. No matter the stage I'm in, no matter the age I am. Why is that true? Because it is his word. When you say, I believe this, then you're saying, this is what the Bible tells me. This is what the word of God reveals to us. That he's almighty. That he's my father. I can trust him. So that's why you want to move now from the catechism to the Bible. 
And I said to you already as we read two passages that in the Bible, the reference to God as the creator is never an isolated topic. It's always in the context of praise, worship, need of help. Uh, we began our worship service this afternoon, and we do every worship service with Psalm 124. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. We combine that. The help that we need is the help from the one who made all things. We sang from it, Psalm 136, 146. We read about it. Nehemiah and Acts this afternoon, I would like to take you through Psalm 33. So please take your Bibles now. And we'll go through Psalm 33 together. And just to highlight to you that this psalm connects to what we confess here. Let me reference where it speaks about creation. We'll go through the whole psalm yet, but I'll just want to point out to you verse 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. By the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. Verse 9. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. Verse 15. He who fashions the hearts of them all, and observes all their deeds. Not only is that creation, there's also God's providence. If you look at verse 13, God, the Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of men, and so on. So there's a clear connection between God as the creator, the almighty father, and this psalm. So let's go through it. And we begin with the first section, and there's the verses 1, 2, and 3. Shout for joy to the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with a lyre. Make melody to him with a harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. I don't think it's a question what the Spirit is telling us here. We have to shout for joy. We have to give thanks. And not only in our hearts that we think about it, but it becomes audible. It becomes musical. We have to play skillfully. The lyre, the strings, we have to give it our voices. That's what the Lord demands of his people. That we sing praises with our voices, with our hearts, because who are the ones that have to sing and shout for joy? The righteous, and that is here, the congregation, the community of believers. Call to sing a new song. And that word new here does not mean an other to replace old ones, but new means it's new again. Uh, like when you when you see something and you see it again later and then it just jumps out at you like new. So also, God we wants us to sing songs that are new every time again because we, we make it our own every time again. Just like his mercies are new every day. So that's how it begins. Clearly a call to praise so also here the context of referencing 
the creation is in praise, in worship. And then the psalm works out why. Why should we praise the Lord? And that takes up the, the bulk of this psalm, verse 4 through 19. It's all about why. We'll go through it. Why should we praise the Lord? Because of who he is, his character. Verse 4. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. Notice that word and work are parallel here with God that is almost the same. His word is his work, and his work is his word. And we say about both, it's upright, it's done in faithfulness. So that tells you something about God who speaks, who works. And he loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. He fills, wherever you see, whatever you notice, it's all because of his steadfast love. So why do we need to praise our God? Because of who he is, his character, his nature. And then comes the proof. The proof that he is indeed the God who by word and work is upright and is righteous and just. Verse 6 and 7. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made. By the breath of his mouth all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. In a few verses we have what we read in Genesis. God spoke, and it was. Isn't that the refrain in Genesis? God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, let there be this, and there was. So how did it come about? He just said it, and it was there. That's how powerful his word is. He is his word. By his breath, they came into existence, the heavens, the universe, the stars, the earth and everything in it, the waters, the sea, everything that he made by his word. Now we know from the gospel according to John, chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God, and, and that is the Son of God, our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, all things came into being. And Paul writes about that in Colossians 1, verse 16 and 17, that, that all that exists is because of him, and he holds it all together. So God created, and he did that through his word. And he upholds it also then by that same word. And for that reason... Well, the earth should fear God, verse 8 and 9. Let the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him, because he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. So the fact that God created all things by his word means that this whole creation owes him worship, owes him awe, stand in awe of him. He spoke and it came to be. That's how you also may speak about 
how God manifests himself in this creation. That we make it a matter of awe. This is the God, the storms, the weather, the big events, the small events, all that God has done and how he rules it all. Stand in awe of it. The whole earth is called to do that. But do all humans praise him? No. And by not giving him the honor that is due to his name, they are guilty. They go their own way. They, they live without a God who made all things. So what does the Lord do with that? Verse 10 and 11. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples because the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. We live in a world that doesn't recognize God. And they think they can succeed without him. It will not work. It's impossible. Because he brings that to nothing. And he frustrates that. Because only the counsel of the Lord, his plan, stands. His providence. How he has directed and decided to do everything. And therefore, verse 12. Blessed is a nation whose God is the Lord. Who, who, who recognizes that counsel. And who will listen to the plans of his heart. The people that he has chosen as his heritage. They recognize him as the creator. You see, God as the creator, it has to bring about in our lives awe, trust, worship, dedication. And then the psalm goes on. Why do we have to submit to him? Because he knows everything. So in verse 13, we speak about the providence of God. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of men. From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. As the creator, he knows you. He made you. So don't you think that he knows exactly what goes on in your life? What you think? Where you are? Can you hide anywhere from him? He's the one who made us. Does he not also know all the feelings and the emotions that we may have? And we may lay them before him as we go through difficult times? And struggle with what happens in our lives. He sees. As a father. He sees. He knows. Because he fashioned us. So therefore. Trust him. And do not trust in yourself. As Psalm 146. He's saying. Happy is he who, whose help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. And, and don't trust in people. What they can do. Here too, verse 16. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered 
by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great might it cannot rescue. Do not trust in yourself when it comes to how you live and what you expect and what you want to do. You're not saved by your own strength, by your wisdom, by your efforts. And your equipment and your tools, they're a false hope for salvation. Why? Because the verse 18, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. So the, the, the reference to God as the creator has to bring about also in our lives that we do not trust in ourselves. And think that we can create our own lives and our own destinies. But that we give it over to God. Knowing that he sees everything, he knows everything, and he will deliver. He will deliver your soul. Even from death, it says here. And of course we know that we do die. But also in death he holds on to us. Because for the believer's death is not a punishment, it is an entrance into eternal glory. And so he keeps us alive. Fear him. So this is why we need to praise him. Because he's the creator, he leads us, he guides us, he sees us. And so we may give to him the worship of our lives. And that's why in verse 20 and 21... You have the response. And that's why I said the explanation of the call to serve or to, to sing and to shout for him is 4 through 19. Because in verse 20, there's a, there's a change. It says, Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. And our heart is glad in him because we trust. In his holy name. So there you have the response that the psalm calls for. That you wait for the Lord. And waiting here also means that you give it over to him. And not think that you need to do it in your own strength. Because he is your help. He is our shield. And our hearts are glad in him. Because we trust in his holy name. When it comes to God's providence in our lives. Waiting can be difficult. How long will it take? When will it happen? How will it go? We like to be able to take it in our own hands. And the Lord says, no, just give it to over to me. I am your help. I am your shield. Trust in me. And so it ends with a prayer then. Verse 22. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us even as we hope in you. And notice here that combination. Your steadfast love upon us. That is our hope. That was the refrain in Psalm 136, that steadfast love of the Lord. That means that he is committed to his love. He is not one to say, yes, I love you, but the next day he doesn't anymore. His love is reliable. And we know that in Jesus Christ. So there you have an example 
of what we confess in Lord's Day 9, of how God as the creator and provider must lead us to give ourselves over to him. It's rich. It's instructive. So with that in mind, we have seen the, the catechism, we have seen Psalm 33. I want to now bring it together because I said to you, we believe this. We believe that these are the promises of our God. That means this is what he pledges to us. So how does that function in my life? What does it do to me? That's the point of the catechism. How is your life different because of this? And I want to highlight three aspects. And they're connected to your baptism. When you say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, then you rely on the love of God the Father. That he has made you in his love. That he with his steadfast love surrounds you from day to day, from moment to moment. Whether you're awake or asleep, whether you're with it or whether you're not with it. Whether you're healthy or sick. Whether you're full of strength or whether the life is, this earth is coming to an end. You rely on the love of God. His steadfast love. We're totally dependent on him, brothers and sisters. So when you say, I believe this, what you're doing is I surrender myself to him. He is my creator. I live from him. I live in him. I live for him. I depend on him. And that's why the title Father is so beautiful here. Because a father knows. Psalm 33, he sees, he looks down from heaven, he sees the children of man. That's a father. And a father looks out for the well-being of his children. When he sees them struggling, he'll be there. And this father is a perfect father. He never had to learn to become a father. This isn't the catechism the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. From all eternity has he been the Father. And he provides. He takes care even even when there are difficult things in your life. When there is pain, when there is suffering, when there is death. It says that he will avert it or turn it to our benefit. Indeed, both the pleasant things as well as the not-so-pleasant things come from him. And initially, that may not seem so nice, that also the difficult things come from his hand. But just think about it. If they did not come from his hand, where would they come from? Which power is there, apart from God, that can do that to me? Thank God, only he can do it. Because he's almighty. So also in the difficult things, as Job had to admit, it is the hand of God that opens and that closes. And that gives peace 
to know that gives peace. That you can rely on the love of the Father. Secondly, we also then, as we say, I believe God the Father Almighty, we rest in the grace of Jesus Christ. Because why can we be so certain? The Catechism says, In him I trust so completely as to have no doubt that he will provide me with all things necessary for body and soul. It doesn't even say, I hope he will provide all the things. No, I have no doubt he will. How do you know that? How do I know in my life that he indeed will provide me? I don't know what's going to come in my life. But I do know he will provide. Well, that is because of the opening part of this answer in the Catechism. Why is he my God and my Father? It says, for the sake of Christ his Son. Brothers and sisters, you cannot say Father without talking about the Son, Jesus Christ. He has become our Father through him. So all these benefits that we receive from the Father come to us through Jesus Christ. That is also why the answer begins with that. That the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ created out of nothing heaven and earth and still upholds and governs them. And also for the sake of Jesus Christ is now my God and my Father. The the Catechism is saying... If you want to consider this father, then you have to go back to Genesis. But you can only go to Genesis through Matthew or through the Gospels. You can only consider what happened in the beginning when you look back. And as you look back, you see Christ. It is through him that you come to the father. It is because of him that he upholds you. That's also why in the first Lord's Day of the Catechism, when we talk about our only comfort, we do not begin with the Father, we begin with the Son. I believe that I belong with body and soul to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And then we say, He also preserves me in such a way without the will of my Heavenly Father that a hair can fall from my head. It is through Jesus Christ through his atonement, through his sacrifice, through his grace, that I know Father will provide. His provisions for me do not rely on who I am, on my abilities, on my strengths. They rely totally on the grace of Jesus Christ, who in my place died, but who rose who takes me along in his death and in his resurrection. So when I say, I believe in God the Father, I also say, I know this is true because Christ has died. But he lives. And that's why I'm certain. I don't have to question. He will provide. So we rest in the love of the Father We rest in the grace of the Son, but then we also rejoice in the fellowship 
of the Holy Spirit. For who makes us say, Abba, Father? Who brings us to recognize that he is my God and Father? Who brings me to realize he is my help and my shield? I trust in him. That is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who has promised to work this in our hearts. To graft us more and more into Christ so that what we have in Christ also starts to function in our lives. And it's through his work that we come to recognize it. But how does he do his work? He is the one who makes us say, I believe, I trust, I love, I rejoice. How does he do that? Through the word of God. The Spirit uses the word as you meditate on it, as you delight in it, to bring about in your life that response that says, Father, I know you're almighty. You're able to do it. You're faithful. You will do it. And brothers and sisters, that is what you have. That is the promise of God. When you belong to him, that's what he gives to you. He says to you already when you were baptized, this is yours. So treasure it. Work with it, with the love of the Father, with the grace of his Son, and with the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And as you sing your creed, think about that. Think about how it functions in your life. In fact, brothers and sisters, you, you begin each week, and you don't know what lies ahead in this week, what things can happen or not happen. But you begin that week with the blessing. And what is that blessing? It is the grace of Jesus Christ. So he says to you, go into this week, do what I call you to do, wherever you are, whatever you do, this is your security, my work in your place. With me you have died, with me you have been raised. And that means it is good between you and Father in heaven. So it is the grace of God that helps us to go ahead. And then we rely through His grace on the love of the Father. In the turmoil of this life, in the uncertainties of this life, in the things that happen in your personal life, in our nation, in this world, whether it is health-related, whether it is the economy, whether it is other things, we rely on the love of the Father because He sent you into this week with His love. And He says, My steadfast love, for the sake of Jesus Christ, is going with you. And the Spirit says, And I will bring it about in you because you go with My fellowship. I work in you that response of love so that we indeed sing together praise to the Lord, the Almighty, King of creation. O my soul, praise him, for he is your health and salvation. Amen.